When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Retirement is often seen as a destination, but we believe it's an opportunity to pursue your passions, realize your dreams, and live a purposeful life. Great decisions, incredible lives. Retire with Intention podcast is about more than just money. It's about embracing the things that truly matter, the experiences, the relationships, and the impact you leave behind. Here is your host, John Creekmer. Hey, John here. Uh, welcome to another edition of Great Decisions, Incredible Lives, Retire with Intention. And I am so glad that you're joining us today. And I am so excited uh, to introduce everybody to a new friend of mine, Donnie LaGrange. And Donnie is uh, from Dallas, Texas. Interesting background that we're going to hop into here in a second. And our focus, as always, is making sure we walk through how do we make great decisions just to live that incredible life and to retire with intention, but it's not just about that end point, that retirement. It's truly living a life of intention, and there's so many different facets of that. And so, you know, Donnie, he joined the financial services industry after retiring as a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army, um, totaling nearly 22 years. His service includes six years overseas, leading organizations as large as 2,600 uh, people and he served as a two-star level protection program manager for Fort Carson and Atlantic Resolve, protecting our communities domestically and planning for the protection of potential future basing in Eastern Europe. Business credentials include protection, I'm sorry, project management professional and Six Sigma. Unbelievable process to go through on Six Sigma. Congratulations, Donnie, on going through that process. Thank and you also sir. you hold a BS in economics for the United States Military Academy at West Point. Master's of Education in Educational Psychology, emphasis on counseling with a focus in adult development, and served three years teaching psychology as a rotating faculty member uh, for the USMA. Unbelievable blend of both the education, the practical experience, human involvement, and leadership. And uh, Donnie, I'm so glad to have you with us today. Thanks, John. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about your military background. And so you've transitioned from military as far as that first stage of your career into being a financial advisor, working with clients all over the place, based in Dallas, Texas. I mean, do you see, is there much of an overlap between the military and working in financial advisory as far as in the role? Or what things did you learn from your military service that actually apply in financial advising? Yeah. So that's a great question. Thanks. So the overlap, at least with my kind of interpersonal approach to advising, is all of those years leading and supporting people to accomplish, you know, the unit's objective um, and helping make sure that they had the resources and the training that they needed to be successful. You know, those are those are basic tenets of being an organizational leader. And a lot of those same concepts apply when I'm trying to support a client, right? When I've opened them, accomplish their mission, whatever their goal or accomplish their dream is. And a personal transition for me um, was really a pretty pretty fundamental one. I, like you mentioned, I'm, I majored in economics in college. And in some ways, like you, John, I saw in another one of your podcasts, you know, you were the guy in, in a middle school who always, you know, was working an angle, trying to make a buck or whatever. 
you know, for me, that was baseball cards. And then in high school, I was on the, um, the, the FFA business management team and we qualified for nationals. And so I was, you know, I was that guy all the way, of course, until, uh, you know, joining the United States military Academy. But even then I thought I would do, you know, kind of do my commitment from there and I would get back into the financial world. I really thought I'd be an investment banker after five years and I would, you know, it, my life would be really different. And so I am definitely one of those dudes that 9-11 had a huge impact on my life. So that, that was my three years into my five-year mandatory tour. And then, you know, that happens in your life and it just like your perspective and your outlook on what you're here to do and what your purpose is really changes when that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're sitting in a room full of military guys and you're watching, you know, the the events unfold that day. So my five years turned into 20, almost 22, right? And so, um, so in some ways, in some ways, I feel like when I, when I made that first retirement um, and I had that opportunity to reinvent myself and, you know, develop a new identity and, and move forward um, post-military, for me, a lot of ways, it was just getting back to what I felt like I was always kind of meant to do. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I'm kind of actually concerned for all of our listeners today because uh, you and I are two Midwestern guys, actually, that kind of cut from the same cloth or two peas in a pod. So if we start talking, maybe getting a little sidetracked by uh, uh, by baseball cards and uh, and uh, things that we did as far as running around the cornfields of the Midwest, uh, our, I'm sure all of our listeners will be patient on that one. But that's not our purpose today, uh, for sure. The um, looking at things, I mean, you have undergraduate in, in economics, and then plus the master's in psychology, and uh, with the military background, how do you see that convergence of your experiences, both on the uh, with people, but also then educationally? Do you see, is there any overlap or any things that you've taken from that that really could benefit people whenever they're making financial decisions? Oh, definitely. So you know, some of the base financial assumptions and models always assume that humans are rational. Right, and so if if we were all purely rational, then then our financial lives would be really simple in a lot of ways, right? Because the the numbers would just tell us what to do, and there's always a right answer when the numbers are involved. But that's not that's not the truth of the matter, right? We we a lot of our decisions are informed by intuition and emotion, and the way you know our our histories have shaped us, um, and so we see red flags when when the numbers may not show them, and and so. For me, on that psychology path, I was a fan of a guy called Rogers. He was a humanist. And so, you know, kind of his fundamental um, idea is that, you know, we we go through life and we wake up every day and and we want to go be the best version of ourselves. Like that's a fundamental assumption. Mm. But we're not always aware of the things that we do that then maybe inhibit our progress. And so for me as an advisor, when I'm helping people understand the the decisions that they're trying to make, I always try to be attuned to, you know, what are the undercurrents? What's what's going on in this client's life or maybe happened in, you know, in their history that is making this a, a difficult decision or pulling them in a direction that maybe the numbers don't say is the best way for them to go. And so on for me, I'm really comfortable kind of operating in that space. I, I'm not a I'm not a licensed psychologist or anything like that, so I'm not doing therapy. But some of those things that I learned about goal setting and and just understanding human behavior and rationality and how we make decisions certainly informs how I go about my day. Yeah, it, it's amazing how we we all come from somewhere, and we're really a sum you know composition of all of our previous life experiences, and those experiences they inform our decisions. 
and sometimes they went through a very extreme negative situation in the past, well, then that may impact us to make a decision that's not in our best interest because maybe it's from a fear standpoint or maybe it's from a loss standpoint that we had before, just in life in general. And, you know, I had a client that I still have a client and uh, work with her now for close to 30 years, you know, very successful in the business that she started and ran. But I could never figure out when I first met her why she had 100% of her money sitting in her savings account at the bank. And it was a large amount of money, uh, you know, over a million dollars just in savings. As I got to know her, I realized that she was a single mom um, raising two children that were one and three. Um, and not receiving any child support or any alimony that was re- court required to give to her. And so she started hoarding things as far as financially in that formative years of her life. Well, then that informed her decisions as an adult. So we had to walk through a lot of that. And in doing that, Donnie, it seems like, which really plays into the processes that you experienced in the military in your role and it with your, with your grade, as far as the process is probably just as important as the actual outcome. I would at least get you to the outcome. And so have you seen when the clients have multiple goals they're planning for? And so maybe it's paying down debt, putting kids through college. Maybe it is, um, you know, something saving for a big goal in the future or saving for retirement. Have you found there to be a process that should be followed by people um, to help them get to good decisions? Oh, wow. There's a ton behind that question. And uh, honestly, a client that I met with very recently um, kind of embodies all of this that you're talking about. So a couple about my age, um, so I'm mid-40s, make more than enough money to accomplish everything that they want to accomplish. And, you know, kind of came to us for some help getting organized. Their oldest is about to start his freshman year of college. And so that was kind of the the immediate, like, hey, I didn't really prepare for this. What Maybe there's other things I didn't prepare for. Can we talk about that? And because I don't know what's coming, but I think I know things are coming. And can you help me with that? But then unpacking that back to your previous question, we we uncover quite a bit of student debt um, mm. from one of the parents. And it was it was one of those situations in the past where a family member had promised to pay for education and then wasn't able to pay for it when it came time to be paid for. And so mm-hmm. even though this this couple could have paid off that obligation. It was one of those emotional things like, no, I'm, I'm not supposed to have to pay that. I'm, I'm set over here in the closet and not worry about it. And so, so that's one of those things that I help bring to the forefront because then it does impact when you're dealing with those competing goals, right? Like, so now we want to pay for kids college. We want to retire in the next 10 or 15 years. I don't want to work till I'm 70. And oh, by the way, I have my own college student debt I want to pay off. And so the, the process to go through there, at least for us, is we're pretty deliberate in kind of unpacking each of those things because we want eventually whatever plan we put together and the way we work forward together, I wanted to reflect the values of my clients and their priorities. In order to understand where their priorities lie and what's most important to them, we've got to kind of bring all those things and draw those out to the forefront. I think that's a, a big part of the value that we bring as advisors and planners in particular, not so much on the investment side, but on the planning side, is being the place and the person that those conversations can come. Because I think we get really busy in our daily lives, whether we're being, we're being parents. You know, I've got, a, I've got a sophomore in college, a high school senior, and a high school sophomore. And so I'm very busy as a parent. Plus, I want to be awesome at my job, and I want to be an awesome husband, and we have all these things going on. And in life. And so 
even being an advisor myself, my wife and I, we are most productive in our financial planning personally, like when we can take all that and set it all aside and we can meet with our advisor, um, you know, in our firm. And we, it gives us a space to work through it. it. We dedicate the time and it gives us a space. And that's really valuable, I think. So you asked me, is there a process? I think different advisors use different processes. Um, but what I would encourage people is, you know, that's the value of that is not that you receive is not really something that you, you can put a number on right? Mm -hmm. But I would encourage people who are struggling with that, these multiple priorities and multiple goals and, and not sure how to start to move forward with it, is to see an advisor. Yeah, Just like that's kind of step one is is go ahead and, and, and start a relationship with someone that can, you can help, you know, that can help you. Yeah. And when I was looking over process, I mean, I know they're at, um, at your firm, you guys have four pillars, uh, discover, yeah. evaluate, plan, and monitor. You broke things down to those four categories. Yeah. Under discover, man, you guys have that define your personal goals. And um, that is kind of speaking to the heart of what you were walking through there, multiple yeah. goal planning. At the end of the day, so oftentimes people think that um, setting up their financial plan really involves what mutual funds do I pick? What stocks? What investment do I have? And the reality is, Man, that's like the end of the journey in trying to own the financial plan. It's really about defining those goals and to know your core values. And once you know your core values, man, then you set those goals based upon those core values. And that's that process you're walking through. Stacy and I, wife, and you could probably relate to this too. You know, we sit down, we do our financial planning one time a year in between Christmas and New Year's. Every year, we sit down and do financial planning. And I'm going to say 95% of the conversation, it doesn't involve money. It doesn't involve the balance sheet. It doesn't involve how our investments do. Actually, I look at my investment accounts, their return one time a year. Um, I know some people will look at their app every single moment of every day, and it's like, boys, you're missing the point because that leads to the psychology of it, right? But at the end of it, we take that time to go through and say, what's our core values? What do we hold dear? And from there, what are the goals in the next 12 months, 36 months, 60 months, and then longer than we want to try to achieve. And that's what you're walking through right there at the beginning. You have all these different multiple goals. Let's start to prioritize those uh, based upon what our what our core values are. Yes, sir. And that also serves another purpose for us is because we, we don't try to be everything to everyone. Um, and we know you know, what, what we do may not, have, may not be the right fit. We're fiduciaries. And so we see it as our obligation very early on in the relationship is to understand the client and what the client needs. And if we're not the right fit, then, you know, then we help them find the right tool for the job that they're looking for also. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we put a lot of effort in that discovery effort right up front because we want to know that we're also, we want to understand them, but also be comfortable that we're, we're the right fit for what they're looking for going forward. Yeah. You know, I see it, Donnie, you were talking about getting that right fit, defining those goals, making sure you do a lot of due diligence at the beginning. But once that's done, then the next step in that process is simply evaluate where people are at in their life journey of we're here at point yeah. A, here's what we have, our goal is this, where are we at in the process? And, I, and maybe it's just me whenever I talk to people, but it seems to me that most folks don't really have an idea of where they're at and realizing their goals. Have you experienced the same thing? Yeah, yeah so definitely. And that is the one point in our processes where we going in, you know, when we first meet the client, before we do the analysis, we don't know where that com second conversation is going to lead, right? Because to your point, some people will um, 
will not pay attention to it at all. And they may have, you know, you use dreams in your your verbiage on your sheet here, I see. We don't talk a lot about dreams. We do a lot of goal setting, but that's second meeting. So what we do after the first meeting, after we have that discussion, is we take everything that, you know, you explain to us about what you want to accomplish. And then we collect all the data, the data side of it plays a role. And we put that all together and we model it out. And so like the second meeting is, okay, if you don't change a thing, if you keep doing what you're doing, financially, this is what it looks like. And so, and we have that conversation about how that either supports the goals or it it doesn't support the goals. And even if it supports the goals, it may not be the most efficient way to do it. And so we have that discussion after we do that analysis, we have that discussion, which we call a strategy meeting, right? Because then sometimes once once it's brought in the forefront, people say, oh, okay, now I kind of know where I'm at. Sometimes there's a little bit of goal revision. Sometimes there's a oh, hey, I'm in way better shape than I thought I was. Well, what can I do now? What do people that are in ring shape do? Because um, I hadn't thought about that, you know? And so that's a really defining meeting. That strategy meeting that that follows our analysis is a really defining meeting of where I go from there in the planning standpoint. Also in that meeting, I try to have a draft plan of the goals that they share and how well they're on track to meet those at that point in time. And so uh, that is... That's, it's one of my favorite meetings, but it can also be one of the most challenging meetings because sometimes yes. it, it, for the first time, someone is telling them, hey, you know, we may not be on track to accomplish all this. Mm-hmm. So we need to have we need to have another discussion about these goals or your priorities or, you know, how you want to apply cash flow going forward because you might need to make some changes in your lifestyle to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Yeah. And then sometimes it's awesome. It's the funnest meeting ever because you're telling someone like, hey, all those things you explained, like you're there. What, what else do you want? Like let's, mm-hmm. you know, and so so that's a really like I said, it's oftentimes it's it's a very rewarding discussion, but not for the same reason. It could be a celebration or it can be a, hey, an acknowledgement that we need to roll up our sleeves and, and work together to accomplish what they want to accomplish. Well, and no matter what it is, you know, and I, I totally agree is I mean, you always whenever you do an analysis and you say based upon the economic facts, the numbers, how do they line up and how do they project out based upon your goal objective? No one is ever exactly to the penny on point. They're either ahead or they're behind. And so either one, it starts a discussion. And that discussion ultimately takes you back to the goals that were set as the starting point. So when we kind of think about those goals, Donnie, you mentioned that sometimes they're not aligned. Let's just say it that way. If someone is married, they're not married or in a relationship of some kind, they're committed, they're working through goal planning and financial planning together. How often do you see, is is it rare that their goals are out of whack or is it kind of normal that there's some variation in goals? What do you see? Very normal for some variation of goals. And there's a varying degree of communication among the two, right? Among the the couple's dynamic. And so, so sometimes they'll come in together and, and, you know, they may be aligned or they may be incongruent or disaligned. But if they've communicated about that ahead of time, that's usually pretty pretty obvious. Um, when it can be delicate and challenging is when there is incongruence and maybe they haven't communicated um, among themselves yet, it can be a really challenging environment. Uh, but again, that's where for me and my background, I'm, I'm comfortable in that space. And it, what I think is really important is, is that the communication does not shut down if there's incongruence there. Because I didn't that 
you know, that leads to a, a bigger issue. If we communicate about it and we work through it, we can resolve it. Right, we can mm-hmm. right, we well, yeah. forward through it. Yeah, I tell you, I, I wish I would have had you in a meeting I had about a year ago. We uh, had a client walk into that second meeting, and you know, and so it, it was actually the first meeting, and we're talking about their primary goal objective was on retirement planning. And the wife said, "I'm planning on retiring into this year, and I'm planning on him working another ten years because I don't want to spend too much time with him." And so. <laughs> so they were a little bit incongruent in their goals. And so, um, you know, I, with your military, how do I knock it down as far as with, with an escalating situation? Yes. Well, and so I can honestly, I can share that um, in my own life. Um, you know, so a lot of those years in the military, there was a lot of time my wife and I were, you know, we were a team handling things. She's raising three kids and, you know, I'm in Afghanistan. And so coming back and then we come back together, right? And there's that reintegration that you go through right? and all that. But my military retirement was the first time, you know, that I wasn't working 65, 70 hours a week. Right. Like, even if I wasn't deployed, I was one of those guys who probably worked too hard and too much and all that stuff. Um, And so, when I retired for the first time in my wife's life, I'm actually home. I'm around, like, a lot. Um, And so, we had to have, to your point, we had to have that conversation like, oh, okay, yeah, I hadn't, you know, I hadn't thought of that. I thought it was all just going to be, you know, it was all going to be awesome. But then you get in each other's space and, and that's just, those are changes to navigate through. Back to the idea that this concept of retirement or financial independence is not purely a financial one, right? When you, uh, we spend a lot of time talking about when you retire um, and we don't actually, we use financial independence, which we broadly define as you're working because you want to, not because you have to, yeah, right? Definitely. So now you're home all the time. What, what are you doing for fulfillment? Like for all these years, you've been this type A money earner, corporate go getter. You're just going to turn that off. Where's all that energy go? Where's all that passion go? How do you, what happens to your identity, you know, of who you are? How does that transition into your retirement? None of those are money kind of questions, but if you don't figure them out, it can certainly have a financial impact and it impacts your happiness, you know, just in the north. Sorry, I went so far away. That's one of those answers where you got to bring me back. I know, but yeah. No, I'll tell you what, man, that, that that is so spot on. That deals with the heart of, of financial planning. It really does. It's about having a unique plan that's unique to you as an individual. We're all different. And it's about saying, what are the goal objectives that are built upon our core values? As life changes, as we have differences, we just talk through those then to figure out the next wisest financial decision to make to help us accomplish that goal objective in a way which makes sense for us in the stage of life that we're in and where we're going. And, um, man, I think that that summarized that entire conversation so clearly. Um, and so it brought down some huge meat and value to people. And so, um, Donnie, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, we, you and I could sit and talk for, maybe we'll do it next time I'm down in Dallas. We'll get together yes, and, and, for real and get, we get, yeah, get some brisket and we'll get together and sit down and chat a little more. But uh, I'll tell you what, it's been great chatting with you, Donnie. And I know our listeners are walking away with so much unbelievable content. So thank you so much for being with us today and everyone thank you for listening in today and uh, we'll be back next time as far as the great decisions incredible lives and uh, truly live that life of the attention talk to you all later on thank you again for listening to the great decisions incredible lives retire with intention podcast with host john creekmer follow us on social media visit our website and join our community of like-minded individuals redefining retirement and living incredible lives 
please leave us a review and share our podcast with others who may benefit. We wish you a future filled with purpose, fulfillment, and the joy of living your incredible life in retirement.